Good evening, good day, good whatever it is, whatever time you may be uh, listening to this if you're not currently watching this. Uh, my name is Jessica, and with me is my co-host. I'm Kelsey. Good morning, good evening, whatever time of day she said. Hello. <laughs> I'm an autism mom, um, and I got together with my friend, Kelsey, who is a, okay, what's RBT? A resident behavior technician. Yeah, we were, um, we got uh, connected through ABA for my autistic son. And so now we're trying to bring uh, all of you some information on autism. Um, so you actually... Uh, taught me something I did not know a couple weeks ago. Hmm. Um, the in for um, I did not know, and I guess maybe this is our question to our audience: Did you know that the definition for autism spectrum disorder for educational diagnosis is actually different for every single state, and there is no federal definition? When you talk about the uh, uh, the IDEA, and my mind is like drawing a blank as to what that stands for again, Intellectual Disabilities Education Inter Act. Yeah, so it's Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. Uh, there we go, Individuals with. Okay, so yes, on uh, I I don't know a lot of us as um, uh, autism. Uh, specialists, moms, uh, caregivers, family members do not like to think of it as a disability, but a different ability. However, for what we're talking about uh, in this podcast, we will be referring to it as a disability because that is how it is defined mm -hmm. in order to have an educational um, definition and help within the school system. Yep. So. Um, okay, so explain this educational, why the educational diagnosis is different from a medical diagnosis. So, so you know that. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Our, our medical diagnosis, I, I, I ran across a friend of mine and he let me borrow. He had a DSM-5 because he's studying to um, become a counselor and he's required to have that. So the medical diagnosis um, uses this, the, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, or the DSM-5, mm -hmm. um, along with some other tools like Curtis, they use this, the DSM-5, they use another test called the ADOS-2, and it was a lot of paperwork to, to fill out. And when you're getting an educational diagnosis, it's still a lot of paperwork to fill out. Mm -hmm. And you... <laughs> Now you're an educator, so you get to keep track of a lot of that paperwork. That I do. That I do. <sighs> it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's why we have our binders. We love yes. our binders. Yes. I actually have one. And it's with all my document for each and every student that I teach with every paperwork clipped to it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So. Tell me how the, or tell us all how the educational diagnosis is different from the medical diagnosis of autism. Okay. Um, so medical is normally 
how it affects your everyday life. Um, mm -hmm. Pretty much it's providing a label so you can get outside sources. Mm -hmm. Well, what happens if your kid is starting sixth grade, preschool, and all the way up to 21? Well, that's a lot of schooling. So right. we're going to look at the term and the key term is educational. Um, mm -hmm. Educational mean you are educating somebody. You're sitting in a classroom and you're taking what the teacher's telling you or anybody that matter who's teaching you. So okay. what an educational diagnosis is, yes, you have this medical diagnosis, but does this medical diagnosis, such as autism, affect your ability to learn in the classroom? And that's key. Mm -hmm. um, because if you do have a diagnosis of autism, is it really impacting his, his or her learning? Can right. he learn without accommodations? Can he learn without modifications? Can he sit there like a typical neural developing child or right. does he need help? Well, if he mm -hmm. needs help, then you're going to have to go through that process and get right. that educational diagnosis so he can get the services in the school and receive that. Um, mm -hmm. With that being said, um, I remember sitting on an initial IEP when I was a severe educational teacher, um, which I taught the severe, severe, um, mm -hmm. meaning that even if you're six years old, you're on a mental capacity of a kid, um, preschool or even a six month year old. So right. you're really lagging almost six years behind, um, wow. which is okay. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love mm -hmm. them. They have the hugest heart. Um, yeah. With that being said, I had a six year old come in in the summer, went over and attended a meeting with the psychologist mm -hmm. and the board, uh, special board um, mm -hmm. services. So the special services board right. um, director and met up with them. They're like, hey, we've done our evaluations and we've determined mm -hmm. that her disability actually affects her education. She can't write. She can't keep up. Um, mm -hmm. She doesn't know how to speak. And some of all these severe characteristics of her disability did right. impact her educational learning. So therefore, we said, okay, this is your educational diagnosis. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to provide you services within the school. Right. Now, I actually personally had the opposite of okay. that. Okay. Um, so, and I get to tell you all that, that what happened with my son, we went in and I have had him tested and actually we just retested just to be sure that everything was okay. Um, so he has a diagnosis, a medical diagnosis of sensory integration dysfunction is what they're calling it now. Sometimes it's also known as sensory processing disorder. And um, this can cause, you know, that's where you have your sensory issues, your sensory input that you need, or if you're sensory seeking, all that kind of stuff. Well, he has a lot of sensory needs. And um, however, those sensory needs, um, they determined through an OT, we come in, OT, sorry, occupational therapist. <laughs> There's, we'll start our little dictionary here that we'll have. Um, but the occupational therapist would come in and they would do a, a diagnostic testing. And usually his would come back that he didn't require anything other than accommodations. So he didn't get you know, so he could not have any, an occupational therapist would not come into his class, into the classroom and help him, or he would not go to the, um, the sensory gym 
to mm-hmm. have like a set time because it was not required. It didn't impact him educationally right. beyond needing breaks and um, right. basically what would be determined as accommodations versus right. the actual time in the, in the sensory gym. Mm-hmm. So um, that was frustrating, but we then did learn how to give him breaks and stuff like that with in the classroom itself. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're so. manipulating that environment mm-hmm. without having to remove him from the environment. And that's right. key. That's mm-hmm. key because they will look at that. Can your child be in an educational classroom setting without having to remove him to be able to help them out? And that's different mm-hmm. than resource. Resource, you know, you're only yeah. struggling with one subject. Okay, we're going to pull you out and give you some of those services. Um, mm-hmm. Even then, you still have to have an educational diagnosis. Right. Um, with that being said, um, I really like how you brought that up because the biggest one that a lot of people get confused in that you don't need an educational diagnosis is a 504 plan, mm-hmm. um, which is underneath the IDA. Um, mm-hmm. But a 504 plan is a plan to develop to accommodate the special needs with a handicap. So, for example, I am actually um, deaf in one ear. And mm-hmm. with that being said, growing up, I didn't, it didn't impact my learning. I could keep up. I can, but what they had to do was they had to accommodate me and put me in the front of the classroom. And I think mm-hmm. Curtis would have had a 504 if he didn't have that educational diagnosis mm-hmm. of autism. And he would have had, okay, we're going to give you a 504 for the sensory Make sure you incorporate breaks and things like that. So Mm -hmm. there is a difference. So what we're talking about with the IDA and the educational diagnosis is going that even going into deep and the farther, Um, which bases off this spectrum. Everything's a spectrum. So you have what is called the least restrictive environment. Okay. In the school system, you always start at the top where you do not have Mm -hmm any accommodations, you don't have any modifications. And normally what it looks like is a general education classroom. Okay. So that's for your neurotypical Mm -hmm. um, person, which is, that would be my daughter. (laughs) She's neurotypical. Right. And then also you're going to have your 504 plans with built Mm -hmm. underneath that. So it's a subcategory underneath the gen ed. Then Mm -hmm. from there, they're going to determine, okay, you, your child still has some, um, needs some more accommodations or needs a little right. bit more help. So what we're going to do is we're going to pull them out maybe for just speech or maybe pull them out mm-hmm. for just English, which is considered resource. So okay. even if your child has OT, PT, you're still considered underneath the LRE, special right. services or resource. Right. Okay. Then it goes farther. Oh, you can't operate on these two and you still keep coming up. You're all, now you're almost four or five grade levels behind. We mm-hmm. can go and we've tried everything we can. Now we're going to put you in a self-contained classroom. And with right. that self-contained, meaning you get taught on a modified curriculum and you get taught all four subjects normally by one teacher, depending on how the school is set up. Because sometimes right. they switch in between self-contained teachers, but mm-hmm. meaning you have one teacher all day and you only go out for lunch and things like that. So you can get those mm-hmm. more in depth mm-hmm. help. Um, and that, that's mm-hmm. what you currently do, correct? 
Correct. I currently teach a self-contained classroom. Um, I absolutely love them. They, I have to brag on my kids. My kids are coming such a long way. Um, awesome. Today, I, I know I'm going to get sidetracked, but today I have to brag. They sat and rapped a song about telling time and their creativity was phenomenal because I teach six through 12th and all different ranges of disabilities. And oh, wow. For them to come together, a group mm -hmm. of 20, just to come together and sit there and like tell me what a minute hand does and what an hour hand does and tell me what time it is, I have to brag about them. So well, I'm sorry, but well, yes, that's, that's cool. what I do now. Yeah, so. I mean, we've got to, and that's one of the things that helps within the school and the education. Um, and as an autism mom, what I had to do is I had to find whatever it is that kind of helps Curtis to adapt or help him learn whatever it is. I mean, like, one of the things I do now, even though I do, so I do a virtual online school. Okay. Um, and even though he has the curriculum, I have access to the textbooks and everything um, because I'm what's called a learning coach. And so I get access to all that information. But I find that just sometimes for him, just reading a book, he doesn't have that comprehension can be a little bit more difficult. And so he doesn't quite get all those big things about, say, Right now, I mean, we're sixth grade health and we're doing the systems of the body. <laughs> and so, you know, how am I going to get him to memorize that the heart is part of the cardiovascular right. system and what have you? So in this instance, pictures help. So yeah. I help make him. I found something on. Um, I, I'd love. Um, I have to have a shout out to all your teachers that post on Teachers Pay Teachers because that is an amazing site. It is. <laughs> it is. Why reinvent so, the wheel? <laughs> I know. There are some great people it. out there that they put some, you know, amazing graphics together. Um, and I was able to buy a packet that had really cool body, you know, the body and, and you know, the inside organs and stuff for different parts. And you could write the definitions in there. That helps him. Yeah, that's awesome. So you do what you got to do to help yep. him learn. Mm -hmm. That's all. So. It's the key is learning. Mm -hmm. um, with that being said, to kind of get back, oh, that's awesome. Tell, <laughs> tell them congratulations. And you're doing a phenomenal job as being a learning coach because that's hard because now yeah. you have to put your parent mentality aside and put on a teacher mentality. Mm -hmm. And that's hard because sometimes you're like, well, I told you now you just got to make the air, which is it, it's mm -hmm. difficult. It's very, yeah. very difficult. Um, with that being said, I know that, again, I just want to make it clear before we move on to the IDA, mm -hmm. is that an educational diagnosis is the disability of autism, for example, impacts the student learning in a normal mm -hmm. classroom. So it's that disability. How bad is the mm -hmm. effect of? Um, because yeah. as you state, huh? And it's not just, it's, I mean, for instance, for us, we're talking autism, mm -hmm. but it also qualifies for things like ADHD. Sensory mm -hmm. processing dis disorder. There's actually th 13 different categories exactly. that IDEA uh, puts or helps a um, lists um, and their categories there. Mm -hmm. When you look at the federal, it's kind of a broad definition, broad. Mm -hmm. very mm -hmm. broad. Mm -hmm. And that's where I was shocked to understand that, okay, so I just moved from South Carolina to Tennessee and my IEP can change because the definitions, IPS, individualized education plan, sorry, 
um, can change because the definition of autism spectrum disorder in South Carolina uh, for South Carolina's IDEA can be different from that of Tennessee, mm-hmm. um, which I can actually see a little bit of the difference differentiation um, because of just even the format. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things um, I thought was very interesting. So in South Carolina, you don't necessarily have to, um, there's nothing on your IEP that says whether or not you um, plan on graduating with a um, regular diploma or a different tract. Um, and I actually, this thing came up when I was doing well, the online. Here, South Carolina. In Tennessee. Okay, because South they Carolina wanted to has know. it when they turn 13. Uh, well, yeah, they have I... to turn 13 first. So in the oh, life see. of the IEP has to be 13. It's called a transition and not a school IEP. So, so transition of 13, you actually have to put if they're on a non-credential certification or a diploma track, it's when they turn 13 and up. Well, see, I didn't know that. And I kept getting asked in Tennessee, well, where's your, what track are you going? I'm like, well, um, yeah, he's sixth grade. (laughs) Yeah. If he's not 13 in the life of the IEP, they're going to keep him school age. So it's normally six to 12 is school age. Okay, so hey, I just learned something new even on the podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. There's hey, there's no, that's great because <laughs> how many how many of you out there know that there's this different there's a different between the school, school age, age and the transition. Mm-hmm. And your IEP. Mm-hmm. And then so many different things depend really on fact. your age. Yep. Really fun fact. The state of South Carolina has adopted a new diploma track. Um, I know this is a little off track, but I know that the United States is moving away from accepting GEDs. So Mm -hmm. what does that mean for our students? Um, So the state of South Carolina actually said, hey, we got your back. You can have a diploma track or a um, credential diploma, meaning Mm -hmm. They say, okay, you're on a modified curriculum, but you sat through all these four Englishes. You have sat Mm -hmm. through everything a high schooler needs to sit through. We're still going to give you a diploma. And then you have your certification of attendance, which typically Mm -hmm. is your lower disabilities. But Mm -hmm. now the state's saying, okay, now you're not just getting your GED. You're actually getting a a, a diploma credit. Right, which helps then the transition into jobs. Um, I know... Mm -hmm. Now, in the state of Tennessee, I, not knowing exactly where I was lying, I'm still learning here. And as if you move across state lines, you're going to have to learn all the ins and outs of mm-hmm. what is offered in each different state. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as even as far as the, you know, your education diagnosis, it's not right. a given that you're going to get all the services you need. I mean, you very much want to get that medical diagnosis. Um, because that label is going to help you get the services you need. Mm -hmm. And those services are a way to help your child as well as even your family learn how to function. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is just Mm day-to-day function stuff. Yeah. And then as you get into the educational side, you have to, there's different things that you have to learn there as to then, okay, once they get out of school. Right. So, I mean, this is, Unfortunately, you got to think of 
a long ways down the line. I mean, that's one of the things that um, actually kind of shocked me. Um, I wasn't ready to hear that, you know, this was, it kind of, you know, shocked me out of my, um, I, I don't know if it, I just had never thought of it until when we were in the diagnosis, when um, they came out and after they, you know, analyzed and everything, um, they came and said, yes, your child is autistic on the, um, on the spectrum. Um, but they will be able to, you know, he will be able to live on his own and function in society. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Well, well, oh, um, I had never even thought that he wouldn't be able to and didn't understand, you know, even at that medical side of it, there are those who have been told that they may not be able to mm -hmm. live on their own. Yeah. So when you get that diagnosis, all sorts of feelings come forth. And then from there, you know, you come forth with your medical diagnosis, then you've got to go to the school and you've got to find that educational diagnosis. Right. And so, and it's a lot of paperwork. It is um, a lot of paperwork. It is. And there's, you know, one of the best things I think is, and one of the things that I guess I can tell, I want everybody to know is you're not in this alone. No. Um, your teachers are a good source. They're there to help you. Psychologist. Yes. Your psychologist, your school psychologist is definitely somebody you want to get to know. Us teachers don't rely on them. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and you know, um, having emails that go back and forth a lot of times between yourself Copy your teacher in, copy the mm -hmm. SPED teacher, SPED teacher, a special education teacher. Mm -hmm. um, I, for some reason, they have changed it to, um, to SPED um, on the, in the outside of the classroom to kind of, you know, didn't, uh, instead of saying special education, yeah, um, to yeah. help with the stigma, yeah, that comes with it. Um, I'm constantly changing. But... Yeah, I mean it's it's hard because it's a, it is technically it's a disability. Technically. We just gotta come to grips with that, right? And that's when you need the label. This is appropriate time mm -hmm. to have the label because this is how mm -hmm. you're going to get your appropriate um, services. Now, if you're out in the world, nobody needs to know. You know. <laughs> Mm -mm. Unless you want them to know to help them, however, get to service. But sometimes a label actually helps them get the mm -hmm. services. And that's all it is. Um, mm -hmm. Nobody likes the stigma that comes with it. Um, but mm -hmm. yet again, we say it every podcast. When you meet a child with autism, you only meet one, one child, child with autism. autism. Um, they're, they're all different. So you never know who does and who mm -hmm. doesn't. Um, with that being said, teachers and the school environment and or maybe a medical environment they do need that label they do mm -hmm. need it so i suggest um if you have a nonverbal child who can't talk i suggest maybe putting something on your car or your um windows to let fire marshals hey my child's nonverbal so if they run away from mm -hmm. you or don't respond it's because mm -hmm. of this and this and that's when it's appropriate mm -hmm. to have those labels not Right. The stigma or the dogma that comes with mm -hmm. the label. Oh, yeah. Um, so. There are people that have to know, that need to know that when they're taking care of your child or doing anything that, you know, things might happen, they may not respond 
the normal mm-hmm. way. I mean, mm-hmm. we have um, one of the reasons that um, I was thinking about this earlier. We have a uh, handicap parking pass. Right. We call it our magic parking pass. The that thing normal. has been a lifesaver. Saver. Oh, yeah. And you might think, uh, okay, are they abusing the system because they have one? No, no, actually it's a safety thing because mm-hmm. my son elopes. Elopement mm-hmm. is when they just run. Yep, just run. Now, some um, some people have instances where elopement, the child will just take off from the house at any given time. Um, we have personally decided for our household, we have a security system that lets us know what doors are being opened for that reason. Um, my handicap parking space, the reason we've got that is because my son will just randomly start. He, he loves animals and he is more interested in the bird in the parking lot than the car that's coming down towards him. And so having that handicap parking pass and being able to say, you know, it's a wonderful thing. I, I really didn't notice until I had that, um, that there are the sidewalk, you know, lines that are painted in the parking lot. Well, I can say, follow the lines. Yep. Make sure you're in the lined path. Make sure you're in the yellow path. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, for him, that's a visual to yep. help him do what he's supposed to. Yep. So, yeah, I'm using that handicap parking spot and those things because it helps him keep him safe. Safe. Right. Exactly. And so you've picked up on different modifications, accommodations Mm -hmm. within your own family, but how do we get this back into the classroom? And this is where IDA comes in. Mm -hmm. This is where the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. It Mm -hmm. first began in 1975. Um, it was a mm-hmm. different name. I think it was ADA, American Disability Act. Um, well, no, it, the ADA is still no, or some still or um, other things. Oh, I cannot remember. But it was a different yeah. name in 1975. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. over time, it has progressed into what it is today. Mm-hmm. Okay. A lot of people, there it is. And so it's a federal education law. Okay. So yes. kids with disabilities who can qualify can get special education or related services from public schools. Okay. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people confuse IDA with FAPE, which is Mm -hmm. free appropriate public education. So you have to think that IDA is this big umbrella and then you have FAPE underneath it. Okay. So once you get this educational diagnosis, guess what? You now have the right and the IDA gives you the parent's rights mm-hmm. for your child with disabilities or your child right. with disabilities rights. These are mm-hmm. things that we cannot uh, infringe upon. You can't right. take it away from them. You have to follow by these laws. Um, mm-hmm. If you, if some of you guys have already been through this, you sit on an IEP meeting and you have what's called procedural safeguards. Okay. Yes. And so when you sit on, these are your Short little summarized rules that the school yep, can't yay thick fit. about what 25 30 pages stapled. Yes, together. it is all the laws that mm-hmm. what the school from the IDA cannot infringe upon, they cannot right. take your right, they can't say, Oh, no, sorry, yeah, he has autism, but we didn't do the right process. Mm-hmm. Can't get no, yeah, no, no. Well, so, with, the, go ahead. Well, and that's where you have to do things like 
I have to make sure that um, that I tell the uh, the teachers and stuff about his elopement. That's where the LARE comes in. I'm going to interrupt. Yes. Um, yes. Chad, I am so sorry that you went through that. Um, but with the IDA and what I talked about, the LRE, it has changed. Now that you, um, the way you're talking, it sounds like you should have been in resource, that in-between um, subject, um, which is now what the IDA um, revised is saying, no, you cannot just go from regular ed to special ed. There is an in-between um, trying to uh, bridge that gap between the mm -hmm. two. So you don't have to go what you went through, Chad. Thank you so much for sharing that. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's sorry. Some of the things that we went, yeah, that we went through as kids. Um, thankfully they've changed to where our kids don't have to go through the same process. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and that's where this IDEA and, um, comes into play and allows us to get the things we need for our children, mm -hmm. um, allows us to say, and that's, one of the most important things we can do is say, you know, be present, yeah. be forthcoming with all the details yep. of what's going on. Here's the medical diagnosis. Here's this diagnosis. Here's this diagnosis. But I am finding that this, this, and this is happening. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and that's one thing I was always, you know, very much a parent of, okay, is he in a situation, you know, my son was bullied in a brick and mortar school and I was, I was scared to death. Right. that he was going to elope and the school that he was at just backed up to woods and mm. there was you know there was some woods but then there were some areas where you know it could get into a normal road and it just you know got potentially it. dangerous yeah it, it was and so that's the kind of things you got to watch out for and so that elopement is important to tell them so that they can know that okay when they're out to recess we pay special attention to make sure that something, you know, mm -hmm. that we have eyes on them so they don't mm -hmm. blow. Exactly. exactly. Um, if there's issues with handwriting, if there's issues with, you know, um, pragmatic speech or what have you, right. um, that's what you have to be able to tell. That's what the testing is for. Exactly. In order for you to get all the services you need. Right. So you're doing the one thing that the IDA says you have the right to do. IDA says you have the right to bring this up to a teacher or a psychologist or an admin or a school official saying, hey, I require an evaluation process. Sit mm -hmm. down and evaluate my child. And mm -hmm. with that, you can go to APA.org, Advocacy Education, IDA. It actually gives you these resources, um, provides mm -hmm. you with the advocacy, um, which is can be That's, free to you from mm -hmm, IDA. That one, okay. Yeah. That one is the um, American Psyche. Hold on. A Psychological <laughs> Association. I had a printout yep. from there. One yep. of my favorite things, though, is the um, about the IDEA. There is the Department of Education funds specific mm -hmm. um, centers, mm -hmm. one center for each state um, that will give you a, I'm, I'm looking at my binder because see, I went to one of those and they gave me this binder. Yep. And they gave me all this information about, you know, so I'm trying to get it to the camera here, exactly what it is, you know, some uh, things that I could fill out um, to look at into 
um, a whole entire what the No Child Left Behind Act was, um, mm -hmm. what a 504 was, what an IEP was, um, all that kind of information. Just, I mean, and like a huge thing about IEP. Right. But this was available at my um, parent resource That's center. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, and I think we have that. There's a website that we had a centers for um, it's a, a parent in training and resource center. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a website that gives you access where you can. Uh, as it's a, an overall website that mm -hmm. gives you um, a map and a listing where you can go to your state to see where that particular office is. Correct. Um, and that will give you access and regardless of whether you're near that office or not, go to their, you know, the state website and get the information. So that um, will give you um, the access to find that different um, definition for autism yep. for your state. That's, right. a that's different from the state next door. Exactly. Or the state you might have and it will. From. Or, and it can give you that resource for an advocate. And to some of those who don't know what an advocate is, it pretty much is a person who knows the ins and the outs of IDA, knows the ins and the outs of an IEP, and knows the rights and stands up for the parents' rights and the child's rights against mm -hmm. the school board. And it's free. You're allowed to have one at every single IEP if you want. Mm -hmm. So what you can worry about is, okay, my academic goals are the academic goals for my student, while my advocate fights for to make sure my voice is heard and make sure we come to an agreement. Mm -hmm. So that's some of the advocacy that you need too, because sometimes yes. having these advocacies, they can also be like, okay, go here, here, and here for a resource. If mm -hmm. your child is struggling and having something nightmares at night and you don't know where to turn to, exactly. here we go. Or what you were saying with the different definitions of the state lines, because there mm -hmm. is not a one <laughs> definition. I wish there was a federal definition, but. Right. There's a general, <laughs> but not one that every state follows to mm -hmm. a T. And that's frustrating. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, you have that. You have the overall federal mm -hmm. act, but right. then individual states still have the right to mm -hmm. um, give their definition and what they um, can or willing to do. Do right, what they can and not offer. Um, yeah. So with that, um, IDA also, I want to make this clear. I hope everybody knows this. Um, doesn't matter if your child has an education diagnosis, they can receive um, resources from the age of three. So before they even get into the school system, right. all the way to mm -hmm. age 21. Um, mm -hmm. Some of my kiddos, if my parents say, if the parents may, uh, get their rights when the child turns 18, right, have to say, yes, I want my child going until they're 21. Right. Good. Right. Now they're a senior, but we always call them super seniors because, right. hey, you're coming back to school to learn more. We encourage it. Mm -hmm. um, so I do have some students who are almost 20, 21 in my classroom, right. um, but they offer that. So wait, hold on. I said age three. Wait, but in school age kindergarten? Yes. But guess what? There are pre-K departments. There's pre-K. And you can go to your school saying, hey, my child's been diagnosed with this. I want evaluation at age three, age four. And you mm -hmm. can go ahead and get that diagnosis and that 
medical diagnosis, not medical, educational diagnosis mm-hmm. and start getting your free and appropriate education yeah, um, and them. resources, what you need. That means speech mm-hmm. because as Jessica, um, just you guys know, we actually do talk about these podcasts before we get here um, yes. <laughs> because practice makes perfect. Um, but yeah. Jessica, you actually mentioned um, prior to this talking about how school offers Medicaid. Can you go in a little more depth about that? Um, well, your Medicaid, um, if you have the um, if you have Medicaid, it's not actually um, in depending on the state that you live in, um, either your Medicaid program, which, of course, is based on your income, um, or if you have a state that has um, mm-hmm. the ability of having TEFRA. Mm-hmm. Um, you I'm can sorry, get I'm going to interrupt real quick. Paul Baker goes, are these resources available for homeschools? Yes. Yes. Because. Even if you're homeschooled, mm-hmm. you're, it's just like sports. What you have to do is whatever school you're zoned for in that county, in that school district, mm-hmm. you have to go to the special services board and get them to request the evaluation and talk about what can be offered at home, even if they're homeschooled. Right. Um, so you do have those that, resources. Yeah. The school that we um, that we are in is a virtual online school. And so, um, the recent testing that we, because um, you can request the testing to be redone every three years. Mm-hmm. And so Curtis came up to that point. And so I said, yes, please, let's get this testing done. And so one of the tests that he had to do, um, he was able to actually, I always thought it was really neat. He did um, his speech test online. He did his OT test online. They just sent us the paperwork and he had to have the, the webcam point down to watch him how he wrote. And then I sent the paperwork back, but, um, the, uh, achievement testing and IQ testing. Um, Oh, that is amazing. Amazing. Terry. And hi, Terry. I have to say hi. <laughs> uh, Terry is a high school friend of mine. So oh. thank you so much for watching. Um, yes. pre-K can be amazing. Um, Curtis didn't have pre-K, but we didn't know at the time, but anyway, going through those programs, but also um, when you go through the IQ testing and the achievement testing, that has to be administered by a school psychologist. Mm-hmm. And so what happened was they called me up and a school psychologist from the district here met us at uh, the public library mm-hmm. and reserved a room. And Curtis went in there and he did his achievement testing and his IQ testing right. through um, with a school psychologist a certified school psychologist. Um, and so that testing had to be done, which was, um, you know, great. He was able to get that here soon. I get those results. Um, so I'm actually excited to see what happens with that, but all you, you get those tests and you can achieve those services. Right. Um, and I've just found out, um, that the, so if you have a TEFR program, um, which TEFRA is for autism and mm-hmm. other disabilities, uh, specific for that. Um, or if you just qualify for Medicaid and you have a special needs cert, uh, student, make sure you are informing your insurance company. Mm-hmm. Um, we currently um, went, had to go through the, um, the insurance process with the um, healthcare.gov. Oh, that's so lovely. Anyway. Oh, right. Um, 
that process put my children into the pool for Medicaid, Mm -hmm. which then, you know, because Curtis is special needs, I have to then make sure that he and I, you know, called the insurance was put in touch with um, caseworkers. And one of my caseworkers said, you know, I'm going to send this form to you, make sure that to sign to make sure we have a copy of his IEP because whatever he is getting on his IEP um, or is Mm -hmm. qualified for on his IEP, we'll make sure we need to make sure that he's getting those services or we need to take him out and, Mm -hmm. you know, give him those services otherwise. So there is a way to cover these services. So in this instance, yes, that medical diagnosis, that label, that educational diagnosis, that label is important. Because insurance is going to ask about that education act or that Mm -hmm. how it impacts. Um, Kind of back it up a little bit really Mm -hmm. quick. Um, For viewers who don't have the homeschool, I want them to understand that there are three different types of homeschooling. You have Mm -hmm. tier one, which is the actual online schooling. And this is how it's still set up like a brick and mortar Mm -hmm. um, kind of hierarchy, um, but it's online. Then you have the second homeschooling, um, which is a mix and you actually go to somebody else's house with an actual professor and they actually homeschool and you can do the different. And then your third type is where you yourself teach them. So with yours, mm-hmm. when you're talking about the getting the educational resources, it would be because you would go to your psychologist. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're in this one. Right. You'd be tier one. So, but if you're in mm-hmm. tier uh, two or tier three, I highly recommend you going to the special services within mm-hmm. your district and they can steer you in a better direction because right. they're still getting a public education in a lot of ways. Um, so mm-hmm. maybe they can steer you or be able to get you that advocate that you're looking for, Paul. Um, so I just want to kind of make that clear because right. tier one, and then I was talking about tier two, tier three. Because right. my husband was homeschooled, but he didn't have special needs, but he was homeschooled, but he was homeschooled on tier three. His right. mom taught him. Right. So uh, my cousins were clear. So. My cousins were, um, and uh, my aunt um, taught them. And then now they're actually teaching their own children. But I chose to stay within the tier one mm-hmm. um, because I knew that Curtis needed those services. Plus, I also knew that my daughter needed gifted. And talented. Um, right. And so that was helpful to them. Yeah. So, right. um, you know, it's, it's, and that, of course, is always up to you as a parent. And Fair. it doesn't mm-hmm. matter whether you're able to, if, if brick and mortar works for you, that's great. Great. You know, that's perfect. I, in a way, I wish that brick and mortar would have worked for my kids, but, you know, I wasn't that fortunate. Um, uh, but the way that we're doing school now works for us. That's, that's a family choice. It's to personal. To I... grow within that first year was mm-hmm. phenomenal. Like it was day and night just because mm-hmm. I remember catching the tail end of the brick Ooh. and mortar and then began this process with you on oh the online goodness. telling it like I'm telling yeah. if so, you know this kid, it is day and night between those two. Mm-hmm. So I think you made the phenomenal right choice and I know he's getting the best he could ever get out of it. Yeah. And it, it was tough making that decision. I bet. So, you know, I'm right there with you and we, we both advocate, you know, do what's right for your child mm-hmm. and whatever works for you is what works for you and for your child. Because when you've seen one child with autism, 
you've seen one child with autism. It's a spectrum. Many different things work for each individual child. So, um, but just know that there are advocates out there for you Mm -hmm. to help you, that you do have a, the right to have um, education and that word appropriate is in there free and appropriate. So we can't ask the moon. Um, we do have to be nice. (laughs) Right. And it does state that I'm glad you brought that up because the IDA even state says, Hey, free appropriate education is not to get them into university of this big one, or it's not to say, Hey, I want this, my kid in this program and a spot reserved on the, um, sports team because he has special, it's not, it's not that it's, for him to get the modifications and the accommodations so he can access the curriculum and access learning mm-hmm. at a pace that he needs to learn at. And right. so that's what free and appropriate public education means. It also states that free and appropriate education is not punishment. It's not right. to just go, oh, here, have fun. No, they're going to have to provide you these services. Mm-hmm. You as a parent have the right to say, um, excuse me, you said you, he was supposed to get a speech for an hour. Um, for two weeks now, he hasn't had a speech for an hour. Um, that's not free and appropriate education. Yeah. And you have the right to bring it up to the teacher. You have the right. Mm -hmm. Now we don't say go straight to the school board. There is a hierarchy within the school. Mm -hmm. And I'm as a teacher, I absolutely love it when my parents go, Hey, I just caught this. What's going on? They ask me what's going on. Cause I'm like, Mm -hmm. I know he's supposed to get it one per week. Right now, the sub is are the speech therapist extremely sick. She's going to end up making it up. Thank you for coming to right. me because now I can explain this to you. Now I can tell you mm-hmm. what's it, it's not always the oh, you forgot about yeah. my child. You're violating my rights. No, no, <laughs> there's there's a hierarchy. Yes. So before you go straight to the superintendent <laughs> or the admin, always yes. always ask the teacher. And I promise mm-hmm. you, you're going to catch more respect and more um mm-hmm. openness with your parent or right. the teacher with that um yeah. i'm not saying that all of our teachers are like this but i pray that yeah. all of them are. Yes. <laughs> always, yeah, always so so, if, you know if you have a problem talk to the teacher first and if the teacher doesn't listen go to the next step which is admin mm-hmm. and then from mm-hmm. there you go to the superintendent or the special services yep. yeah yeah I mean, so I only admin to, and special services are like this. <laughs> yeah, I only yeah. had to go to that top tier, you know, two or three times and then two or three times went. with the same issue. That was the worst mm-hmm. part with the same issue mm-hmm. that bothered me. But yeah, <laughs> um, we all have our times that things are not. <laughs> we, no, we do. And so with mm-hmm. IDA, there is qualification. So let's say you do have that educational diagnosis to qualify underneath IDA and get that free appropriate education. Your child must have a disability and need special education because of it. Right. And if your child is eligible, you're going to be working with the school team to develop an IEP, which is right. an individual education plan. And then IDA gives you a say in your child's education and many important rights. So you're going right. to want those rights. Mm-hmm. Um, related services, that's going to be underneath that. Um, accommodations mm-hmm. or assistive technology. So, for example, right. if your child is nonverbal, free and appropriate education is accessing that assistive technology. So you're exactly. going to be able to have a ways of having modes of, com- um, modes of communication. Mm-hmm. And guess what? 
the school district and you have to determine, okay, am I paying for it? Are we halfway paying for it? It all depends on what school district you are. Cause some of them do require some parents to pay some of it as well right. as, but if you're in a more funded district, right? they're going to be, okay, we're going to go ahead and pay for it. Don't worry about it. So it depends on which districts. I don't want to say the district is going to pay for some of these assistive technology, mm -hmm. but that's what an IEP team is for. And if yeah, you're, I suggest if you're talking about assistive technology and some of these financial, I suggest you have an advocate with you um, right. because they're going to be oh, able exactly. to fight some of these things that you may not know. And they're the, technically your, your free lawyer in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> that in, and that free lawyer is in air quotes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> air quotes. Because <laughs> they didn't go to school for but, it now. Yeah. <laughs> but now <laughs> um, yeah, we did have a nice graphic up there. And that um, I actually found on understood.org. Awesome. Um, and that actually, I found that site to be very, um, very eye-opening. Had a lot of information. And it was put in terms that you could understand. There were a lot of links. And I like the fact that at, at the bottom of every article, it told a little bit about the author, but it also told of somebody who reviewed it, right. who had credentials that you knew was, you know, they were checking their information. So right. links will be in our show notes at myspectrumlife.com. Um, so make sure and check that out. Um, now, um, if you have any questions that you want, uh, topics or anything that you want us to talk about, um, please send us an email to info at myspectrumlife.com. Mm -hmm. um, plus, we'd like to hear from you, you know, um, and make sure that if you're here tonight on um, in the chat room and everything um, via YouTube, give us a thumbs up and subscribe um, to this YouTube channel. Um, give us uh, and on Facebook, we're on My Spectrum Life. Uh, facebook.com slash my spectrum life we're on instagram um my spectrum life on instagram as well and twitter is my spectrum life one um but go ahead and on any of those uh platforms that you are on um subscribe watch follow um because that that lets us know that people are listening um they're liking the information they're getting um and we just wanted to cover, you know, in the first three episodes, kind of give our background and cover some of the meat that you kind of yeah. got to know. Yep. Now we can open it up and there are so many different things that we can talk about. And we are so open to and excited to be able to talk about so many more topics. Mm -hmm. So um, with that being said, please um, drop us a line and let us know what you might want to talk, talk about. Um, and, um, when are we going to do this again, Kelsey? Um, next one's going to be on March 16th, 7 PM, um, central time and 8 PM Eastern time. All right. So that March 16th will be our next podcast. Um, we're planning on going every other week through March, mm -hmm. but then because April is our autism awareness month. We're going to go every week in April and see how that goes. So, you know, and one of the big things we're trying to think and, and figure out is, you know, you want us to, do you want this information coming to you every week? Um, so if you do, let us know, mm -hmm. um, drop us a line. Um, and yeah, we'd love to hear from you. <laughs> always, always. Um, so, if 
my students are listening. Um, I want to just give you a shout out and say thank you because I actually do encourage my students to mm-hmm. watch because it's a form of advocacy for themselves because I want them to know like, look, you're going to want to know some of these resources to fight for right. yourself and your rights. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, I know that you guys do not have email. You can always tell me in the classroom. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's okay. Yes, Jennifer, that is a great topic. It says, um, she says, can y'all talk about kids who got a diagnosis later on, say after nine, after many docs not seeing enough reasons to diagnose? (laughs) Oh, goodness. Yep. Yes. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. We will do some research and we will have some more information for that, um, about that for you on an upcoming episode. that um, I'm, I was in the same boat because we did not get diagnosed until seven. That's going. So there to be are many. <laughs> that's you know there are some that don't get diagnosed until much later. And how in the yeah. world do you then how do you play catch on? up in a lot of ways? Yes, that's mm-hmm. one of the things that I felt mm-hmm. I was playing was catch up. Um, and then also you know you're coming with an older child, and sometimes a lot of services are aimed at younger ages and so how to find all those services so yes we will be well that will be a topic that thank is, that's you so much for that so suggestion much. jennifer all righty well i think that about does it for tonight anything else that you can think of there kelsey i just say thank you for attending and thank you for commenting and i absolutely love these live comments and feedback oh yes i enjoy it um again the next spectrum life um will be on march 16th 7 p.m central time 8 p.m eastern time yes then we would so much love for you to be there and be in the chat room and interact with us so from kelsey and i here we say good night good morning or see you later (laughs) thanks for being with us tonight Goodbye, everyone.